0: helping clients meet their financial goals and prepare for the future schroders actively and responsibly manages investments the world is forever changing and we understand the need to adapt and evolve in line with what matters most to our clients
1: so right now what's the strongest theme running through your through uh, portfolios metrics portfolios <laughs> a lot of portfolios that
2: <laughs> yeah a lot of lot of portfolios um we 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 try and keep diversified. So having one particular theme is generally a problem for us in portfolios because you you don't necessarily know what will what will work in the future. Um that said, I think probably the most sensible one is is kind of the theme of you know what company is going to survive um going forward. So um you have kind of two strategies. Your passive will invest in everything, um, and you get sort of safety from being broadly exposed. And then your active manager, which is a lot more sort of select in terms of um, whether it's you know fixed income uh, or equities or uh, whatever other asset class is trying to sort of select. Um, and the message we've been getting from my active managers is that you know they're looking for um, companies that they think will survive. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean only supermarkets or utilities where the revenue forecasts are actually sort of going up um, over this, this time horizon. It also means they're investing in um, some of the more troubled sectors, but the sort of the, the champion of those sectors. So the really uh, strong performance. So Ryanair, for example, you know, in airlines, which you know is a, one of those sort of like uh, type uh, investments at the moment. But you know, the idea is just that unless you think um, no one is going to fly ever again um and no one on
1: seems to think anyway
2: <laughs> yeah and um you know um it, it wasn't great timing um in terms of um when he he sold the airlines um mm. that's it he has got a lot of other things right in his life so
3: um,
2: <laughs> quite a few yeah quite a few um but yeah i think that survival is kind of the the key theme i i i think we, we're quite happy that sort of running through the portfolios you know focusing on those companies which have the strong balance sheets so we can survive um, the uncertainty that we are going through at the moment.
1: Haig, uh, hey, do you do, uh, have your portfolios? Have the main themes running through your portfolios changed at all compared to pre-crisis levels? Well, pre-crisis allocation.
4: Yeah, so they changed quite a lot. I mean, um, clearly we took all of the poop protection off. We haven't we haven't put that back on because um, applied levels of volatility are too high at the moment. Um, we are planning to put back in place the tail protection too. Um, but again, we haven't we haven't done that we haven't done that yet. In terms of the thes that we sort of rotated portfolios into, we were we were buying things like um, European dividends. So a lot of the stuff that we actually we've done many times um, previously. But um, obviously there were concerns that companies were never going to pay dividends again, ever. At one point, and um, obviously that's not going to be the case. So we were buying sort of future entitlements to European dividends in 2023-2023. Those to date have performed very well. Um, we also started buying um, some more areas like Value. Value obviously has been distressed for a long time, became even more distressed. Um, so in the short term, that's worked quite well. And some of the other areas um, which we've taken profits on, we have um, a healthcare team running through portfolios. Yeah. Uh, and that performed obviously very well over a short time period, not for the reasons we invested, um, but um, so we took some profits in that as well, and and we've we've more recently we've been starting to to increase our weightings back into some of the more tech fixed income asset classes, so increasing weights in cocoa's, uh, buying Asian debt, and um, um, and again we're starting to we do that all of those things in a gradual fashion. But um, but you know I think the key thing, it's quite it's quite easy to forget that you're investing for the long term as well when people are panicked buying toilet rolls and so on. Um, But on a five-year view, um, you know, a lot of asset classes still look really, really attractive, fixed income in particular, um, we like at the moment.
5: And Sakista. So, uh, the strongest themes probably were, I'd say, because we still uh, don't, we don't discount completely a, a possibility of a second correction uh, whilst there's obviously lots of sort of a positive sentiment is coming back to the market uh, so overall our uh, portfolio and our, um, our views are sort of although they're much more optimistic but I would say they're sort of like cautiously optimistic so we have this uh, a barbell approach so we uh, we favor defensive uh, growth sectors so um, again we're coming back to that to our US allocation this is where we added a bit more and then also uh, in 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 this salon sort of based on evaluations we've been uh, concentrating a bit more flows into this beaten down very cheap sort of uh, Highly cyclical place um, on economic recoveries uh, within the commodity exposed EM uh, emerging markets. Um, so sort of the, if you look across our, all our portfolio across sort of the different um, the asset classes, then majority of our sort of risk is concentrated within our equity. Within bonds, um, we still uh, all we did uh, in April, we took down. Uh, sort of clipped our government bond exposure uh, we're now slightly underweight relative to our neutral stance it's uh, it's it's still sort of a, a big allocation within our portfolio so we, we haven't reduced it, it completely Um uh, but we had an underway to uh, to the corporates, to credit. So we didn't have um, an explicit allocation to high yield, for example. So uh, as, as uh, the valuations changed and, and, and sort of we've seen this amazingly wide in the corporate bond markets, uh, we went uh, uh, into the investment grade. And because, as, as I was saying, that we're trying to keep all our risk exposures within our equity, within bond allocation, we still wanted to take... Um, opportunities so we we're adding to the investment grade we're still um not there yet in terms of our uh, on a sort of a risk on risk off uh, scale so we are not adding to things like high yield for example uh, yeah um and, and chris is there anything
1: specifically running through portfolios now as a central theme
3: uh, i would agree with what nick said actually that's very much a similar similar theme for us in terms of um the, the destruction of capital here is going to be quite different to 2000 post 2008 um i think those those business models which really only survive on the on, the, on a, a very low cost of capital um don't make any sense and in, in in terms of um, a from a L perspective so are, are going to essentially, I think, going to disappear. So um, focus on quality, focus on uh, that uh, repeatable stream of cash flows, that kind of thing, that's, that's in, uh, as Nick said, that is the principal theme that's running through our portfolio. It doesn't mean that we're only buying the, um, the growth stocks that have been the darlings of the last 10 years, because we think many of those are at very high valuations. And um, and actually, you're, from an asymmetry perspective, I think a risk reward there is it's quite skewed to the downside. So, um, but like, like Nick said, our, ma- our managers are finding some really interesting opportunities in some uh, in other sectors and other companies which are trading at significant discounts to fair value. Um, and, and and they are, you know, I think from that of they're good quality companies who will get through this. And I think they will be the the winners.
6: And and
1: Justine, let's hear from
6: you. Yeah. So there's a there's a definite common theme, which is which is great to hear that we we maintain that approach, to develop uh, investing in defensive companies, sustainable businesses, strong free cash flows. Uh, there's a quality bias within our portfolios. There is an asymmetry that we see as well between growth and value. Um, yeah. That's. In summary, that's where we stand as well. There is also this strong ESG
1: theme coming through the crisis and, and it's tipped to be the next big winner after uh, we emerge from it. Is that something that has changed for you in terms of how you allocate? Is it a greater consideration now, especially you know, during the coronavirus crisis or is that attention that ESG is getting a bit more, more superficial? I'm sure everybody now has some type of ESG portfolio or or part of portfolios are invested in that area, but has this changed for you during, or as a result of the coronavirus crisis, uh, Chris? Um,
3: that's an interesting question because uh, I think everybody's applying into some form of ESG screening to their equity process. And it makes sense because any company that isn't essentially sustainable, um, is, is probably going to underperform a company that is sustainable in the terms of you, you know, you want to have those, um, sustainable free cash flows. Um, but, and I think the, the recent performance of ESG is was more of a function of, uh, the, the sector bias of those, companies in the sense that they are were defensive companies rather than cyclical companies. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's wrong to use the um, the recent performance as a as a signal of the appetite for ESG uh, in itself. But I do think as I say, I think that ESG will be applied broadly to all equity selection. And that the it, it is a it is a growing area of interest for our clients um, but actually given the performance recently uh, i wouldn't be surprised if actually if esg specific portfolios underperform um, if we see an economic recovery because they simply don't own the companies that um, would benefit the most from that scenario
1: but has, so, has it become a bigger consideration for you in in your portfolios
3: yeah um it i say we we don't we do we invest by our fund of funds um Process in, in our in our main portfolios, uh, but we do run a direct equity strategy, and the direct equity strategy has a um, has developed a sustainability approach to um, ESG in in the selection process. So it it is a factor, and I think all investment managers that we speak to are essentially using ESG criteria as one of the uh, fundamental in in their fundamental uh, approach to um to selecting
1: a stock uh nick you have some um sustainable portfolios mm-hmm. but so where where do you stand on this uh, issue
2: yeah so <laughs> um i think it all depends on how you define the different sort of um the spectrum of sustainability i suppose okay, you let's could call just it.
1: say that um, i'm now using esg as a general term to cover all because we cannot Mm. fall into the debate of terminology. It it will be 2021 and and we we, will be talking still. (laughs) I I
2: can keep it relatively simple. So we want all of the managers we use to factor in ESG considerations, to integrate it into the investment process because we just think it's sensible if you're deciding on buying a company, um, to look at what its environmental impact is, what its social impact is, how well it's run, the governance impact of it, um, and then consider those risks um, in whether you buy that company or not, uh, or the security, the, the bond of that particular company or not. Um, and that's what we want all of our managers to do. It doesn't necessarily mean they can't have an oil company because um, they would need to factor in the risks associated with that particular um, oil producer, but you know, it, everything has a price. Um, and they might decide that actually that outweighs the um, um, the sort of environmental concerns um, for that particular producer. So that's what we want all our managers to do um, through our main portfolios. Um, and then we also have a separate set of portfolios where um, it's further along the sort of sustainability spectrum. And there they are looking for specifically um, companies that are sustainable in the sense that their activity has a net positive benefit to um, society and the environment, people and the planet. Um, and there's some exclusions on those, um, those, um, um, yeah, within those funds as well on, on what But has, has been been the
1: there. coronavirus crisis changed your perception or the, the importance of ESG for you. Or do you think it, it's, you know, it was always like that, but. Coronavirus, no, I think, for some I reason, think that was I like
2: happening. It. I think that was happening before, um, coronavirus. I think there was a, you know, this is, I think people are becoming a lot more aware of, um, this other dimension of investing um, and that there are you know, uh, risks and you know, ESG is a lens. You know, I think a good active manager was looking at these issues anyway, um, but now it's becoming I mean, a little bit more formalized. Um, I think certainly, you know, to Chris's point, there is an acceleration because um, there's been some really great performance by those that are more sustainable the, the sort of further along that spectrum because they've avoided uh, oil companies, which obviously had a horrendous march um and um they've avoided things like banks which also haven't had a good crisis um they are also they even beyond that they tend to be more sort of um they have a sort of a growth tilt to them mm-hmm. um a- again because you are sort of investing in um the sort of the technologies and products of the future and they, they are necessarily you know growing quite strongly and that's been a a factor that's really um, um worked well um actually for a long time, but particularly um, 2020 to date. So um, I, I would I would say that, you know, from a portfolio metrics point of view, we it hasn't really changed our perception per se. I think we were kind of um, trying to get our, our ducks in a row in terms of what we were doing. We've just, you know, revamped our responsible investment policy. Um, but it's certainly been interesting from a sort of a... Um, a performance perspective, because it it has highlighted some of the characteristics of, um, you know, sustainability-focused portfolios and 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 impact investing um, portfolios. Um, and some of those those factors that are inherent in them, and highlighted that um, um, those characteristics you know um, can actually help drive the portfolio as well. Uh,
1: so Justine, have you are you increasing at all ESG allocations as a result of the coronavirus crisis?
6: I, I think you're muted. that's true. we we not we're not increasing our ESG allocations as a result of the corona crisis. we We were position I mean our strategy is to invest naturally in defensive, sustainable businesses which naturally have an ESG criteria. So we don't we haven't historically or well, within the last eighteen months for sure invested in tobacco companies, generally oil, financials, um we do we do use sustainalytics like uh, they, like uh, Chris mentioned as a as a probably a second layer from an investment process perspective, but um, yeah, naturally I think our portfolios are within the ESG mindset for investors, but hasn't changed over the period. Is that is that seven a.m. feel the same, um, Hague?
1: Have or has coronavirus kind of accelerated your? endorsement of
4: the of the field not so much i mean i think it's been something which has been building for some time now i mean i agree with Nick. there's a degree of close cyclicality in a lot of the esg stocks um and also the other advantage at the moment you have is obviously um, the the things that are not esg like oil companies have performed particularly poorly so optically and um, everything's everything's favoring esg I think what we are noticing though is that um, the clients are becoming more discerning about ESG and the whole issue of greenwashing um, is, you know, is very you know, prevalent at the moment. And if you're gonna do this, you need to do it properly. So, yeah. um, you know, so we, you know, we've massively enhanced the resource Um we obviously sign up to the PRI um, and it's something you really need to embed in your process from the, from, from the bottom up to do it properly. Um, so I don't think it's going away and if anything we're going to see the environmentalist site and force um, with all of their uh, maps showing how um, unpolluted the cities have been during lockdown so um, whether the governments can fund a lot of these initiatives to make cities clean and so on is, a, is another thing given given how much debt we're running at the moment but it's certainly here to stay and um, you know just sort a of, uh, of growing opinion from from the underlying clients too also. And
1: Shakista has a has the crisis changed your view of of ESG at all, or your allocations?
5: Uh, no, actually, we are. On, I, I, Dolphin is on the same page. I think as uh, I would agree with points Justin made and Nick and uh, Chris. Um, just basing your allocation to ESG strategies on the short-term performance that we've seen so far, I don't don't think it's very prudent or an intelligent thing to do. And there's obviously, there've been uh, lots of factors that driven this performance. uh, And I don't want to discount at at all that ESG overall, sort of a long-term will be be enhancing the performance and uh, viability of the companies. Uh, But over short term, we uh, sort of, with COVID, it sort of overshadowed everything What was going on with the oil price. And, and we know that ESG funds tend to either have a zero allocation to energy sector, for example, or just have a very limited allocation. So basing our investment decision on a, such a short-term pe- period and performance, I think um, yeah, it's not something we would do. But the ESG theme um, it has been running and has been important for us uh, for some time now. And uh, we've... Um, uh, I would say we we weren't sort of the pioneers in this field at all. Uh, we've only sort of um, developed and completed, sort of formed our philosophy on how we want to approach our ESG investments fairly recently. So um, and. Uh, uh, we believe that this uh this will become at some point um uh like governance for example uh which was introduced in in the 90s and then now it's, it just became sort of the uh an a necessary, uh, part of the investment process in the same way we view esg it will just become incorporated into investment processes across all asset uh, asset managers across all wealth managers it will become a poor a, a part sort of of the selection of a good companies because it's just makes sense if the company uh, has a good governance if the company operates with a regard to the environment uh, within each it's it's also benefits from that environment and also if the if it's uh, social markers are all positive and good and it uh, considers and take into account the interest of its all its stakeholders and including employees it just naturally should be a better performing company so definitely that's um that's not something that's been triggered by the COVID crisis. Uh, of the, um, it, it's a, it, it's something that we've been working on for the last uh, sort of a, uh, for, uh, for a significant time, and it's uh, something that we think will continue and become uh, sort of a part of our investment process.
0: Schroeder's is built on 200 years of experience and expertise. We partner with our clients, constructing innovative products and solutions across private assets and alternatives, solutions, mutual funds, institutional and wealth management. By combining our commitment to active management and focus on sustainability, our strategic capabilities are designed to deliver positive outcomes. With over 5,000 talented staff across 35 locations, we are able to stay close to our clients and understand their needs.